Something I've been thinking about is when unique combinations of people hang out together. Like I can think about times in my life where three of us hung out. They, we might all be friends. We, we might all be part of the, the same group of friends. But when a combination of people hangs out together who never hung out in that combination before or after that. And you look back and it's very memorable. Like there's groups of friends I've had where I wouldn't even be able to remember all the times that, let's say, three of us hung out. It was just accepted. It was just normal. But I can remember every single time that like me and two people hung out who had never hung out in that combo. And we all kind of knew it. Like there was one, one memory that stands out is when I was in seventh grade, it was, I think it was in the summer. I think it was the summer after seventh grade, just hanging around the house. My mom's at work and I got a call from these two classmates of mine. They weren't even, they weren't even part of my group of friends. They were just these two kids I had met that year, Evan and Chris, Evan and Chris. And they called me and they were like, Hey, it's Evan and Chris. And I was like, Oh, Hey, Hey guys. Because you react differently. Like when you get a call like that, when it's someone who's never called you before, you react completely differently. You almost, you're more fake almost. Like I like these two guys. Evan and Chris were nice guys. I think they were already friends. Because the thing is, seventh grade, my school was a junior high. So it was grades seven through nine. And it, it was three different elementary schools fed into it. So yeah, it was like one third of the kids you were around were kids you had known since kindergarten. But then two-thirds were from different elementary schools. So suddenly these new people and new friendships. I mean, that was just totally tangential, a tangent of a tangent. But that was actually something really interesting about seventh grade is, yeah, all my existing friends were there. But all of a sudden, like, you start figuring out which kids who went to other elementary schools. Hey, Batty, Batty. Which kids who went to other elementary schools you would be friends with? And sometimes it might be like one of your existing friends was on the same baseball team as this kid from the, the other school. And so, you know, he kind of, there's an easy in there. But other times it's just like, hey, I'm around all these new kids all of a sudden. I guess I'll be friends with that kid. I guess I'll be friends with that kid. It, it kind of is that. It's it's unspoken. But but anyway, like this summer day, and I get a call, and it's like, hey, it's Evan and Chris. And like they were classmates of mine. I think they were already friends. They were people that I had never once considered like, oh, I'll hang out with them one day. Not that there was anything even against it. They were both nice guys. They were both NGs. A couple of NGs. No, but they were both nice guys, but it was just, I never entertained the, the possibility that we might ever hang out outside of school. And what's even funnier is that they were sitting around together and they were like, we should call somebody. Who? Eric. Let's call that guy Eric. Because I think I had like one class with each of them. And I think we would occasionally, I, I don't even remember like talking to them that much in class. I think like once in a while we'd kind of like snicker at the same thing, what we call snickering at the same thing. You ever heard of that? Uh, I think we would occasionally snicker at the same thing, but they called me on a summer day and were like, this is Evan and Chris, uh, 
we're going to the mall. You want to go? And I was like, you know what? That's that's a wild idea. I like it. I'll, I'll go. And it's just so funny. They had to form some kind of consensus that day. You know, this is why I'm insane because the shit I remember and analyze 25 years later, you know, like that day, these kids, like I, I'm now thinking about these kids that called me and I was, I'm like thinking about the process that led up to that, which is like, they had to, one of them had to suggest calling me of all people. And then they had to like form a consensus. Like, that's a good idea. Let's, let's, let's go to the mall with Eric. And like, I went to the mall all the time, of course, with my friends and stuff, but like the idea of like this planned mall trip with these people I'd never hung out with outside of school, like just the three of us. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. And so my sister had to take me over to one of the kids' houses so that his parents could take us to the mall. These things were elaborate. You know, you think about it. It's like my mom was at work because it was during the summer. My sister happened to be home. Like she has to drive me to this kid's house so that his parents can take us to the mall. It's like planning a bank robbery or something. And uh, so my sister, like, we, it takes us forever to get to this kid's house. I know this is just an amazing story, but, like, it takes us forever to get to the kid's house. It was, like, a five-minute drive away in a, a neighborhood we knew, but, like, his house was somehow completely hidden. It was, like, an invisible fortress, and we just kept, for, like, a half hour, like, my sister just kept, like, doing loops around the block, and then eventually we found this hidden driveway and you couldn't see the house from the road. And what blew my mind, because it was always weird. It, it's one thing to like hang out with a kid you've never hung out with, but it's a whole different story when you go to their house. Because if it was my friend's houses, like I go to my friend's house and it's like, I know where they keep the Pepsi. Oh, I know, I know that this family has a second refrigerator they keep in their basement, that, and that's where they keep all the Pepsis. I can do anything here. Like, I, I know where all the bathrooms are. I know all the important stuff. I know where the Pepsis are. I know where the, where the second refrigerator is, where they keep the Pepsis. And I know where all the bathrooms are. And you just go in, and it's like, it's like not your house, but it's, it's not your house. But it's, you're just like, this is my friend's house. Yeah, it's practically my house. Uh, your house is my house. Sukasa, Mikasa. But, uh... When you go to a new kid's house, it's very voyeuristic. It's like an out-of-body experience, actually. Because I felt that way going to birthday parties and stuff, too, growing up. Like, sometimes, you know, it, this, this kind of plays into what I'm talking about, which is like a random kid would invite you to his birthday party, and it had to be reciprocated. Ryan Olivas. There was a kid named Ryan Olivas. Ryan, somewhere your ears are burning because you were being talked about. This kid, Ryan Olivas... I think in kindergarten, he invited me to his birthday, and so you have to reciprocate, so I invited him to my birthday. Never another one, though. Never another one. My inflection was kind of weird there. Never another one, though. Uh, never another one, though. Never another birthday between us. Never hung out again. I don't even know that we ever hung out aside from his birthday party. But uh, his was, I think it was at Chuck E. Cheese's. It's the only time I ever went to Chuck E. Cheese's, if you can believe that. I only went to one birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese's, and it was Ryan Olivas, and it was in Bellevue, Washington. And I think we only stayed for a short time. I think we just made an appearance and gave him a present and left, 
because I remember I remember being very like confused by Chuck E. Cheese's because we were just sitting at this table and it was a dark room and there were just lights and you know I've never turned down a pizza in my life you know I've never turned down even bad pizza but the pizza had all of these very uniform round little bubbles on it like the cheese had these very like like perfect circles all over it these little cheese bubbles not like the good bubbles from crust and that kind of thing there was all these little tiny bubbles and it just it looked really artificial and weird and i was like this isn't pizza this isn't pizza and so i remember not liking the pizza at this kid's birthday party and then just being like that was weird we just made an appearance and left because that wasn't normal like if i went to a kid's birthday party i was always there for the whole thing but there was some reason why we could only stay for a short time and then I invited him to my birthday party and his mom called beforehand. She called our house and she goes, like, before I bring Ryan, you got to tell me, does Eric have any toy snakes hanging around? She was like, you know, Eric doesn't have any like snake toys or toy snakes. Uh, if he does, can you make sure to hide those when Ryan comes? Because he's terrified of snakes. And my mom told me, she's like, yeah, I just got a call from Ryan's mom. It's like, we got to hide the snakes. And I did have a snake toy. Probably had a couple. Probably had a couple snakes hanging around. And uh, one of them was a Jake the Snake rubber snake. A Jake the Snake snake. It was just, they took like the same mold that they, because there were a lot of big rubber snake toys, like life-size rubber snakes. I saw a lot of those growing up. But this one was, you know, they just took like a mold of probably like probably some company who just makes animal themed toys and they put it in a bag with the Jake the Snake logo because, you know, he was a pro wrestler who would bring a snake in a bag to the ring, bring a snake in a bag to a ring. But uh, so I had a Jake the Snake snake. So we had to hide the Jake the Snake snake because this kid was coming over and his mom told us like he's terrified of snakes. You know, I didn't use it against him. That would have been a good opportunity to go run to the closet and get the snake out when he comes to the party. Make this kid scream. But I, I never forgot it. Because like he and I, we never went to another birthday party of each other's. But he and I were always in the same classes. I think we were both like B-plus students. So we were always in the same math class. We always had classes together all through life. And we'd always talk. Like We weren't friends. I would kind of, uh, I wouldn't bully him because we got along. Like he would sit next to me. Like if we were in a class together, like he would sit next to me and stuff. But I would always give him shit about something. But I never used the snake against him. What we call never using the snake against somebody. Like, but I always had it in the back of my mind that he was terrified of snakes. And yeah, he'd gotten a lot older. Like by the time we were in high school, like I'd sit next to him and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know whether he still had, like, an irrational fear of snakes. And, you know, there's good reason to be afraid of snakes. It's not like I'm... It's not like I'm not afraid of snakes. It's just that I'm not afraid of snakes at the level where, like, my mom had to call someone's house and tell them to hide all the snake toys. My mom should have said, like, we actually have a snake altar. We actually have a snake altar that we would have to dismantle. And actually, uh, you know... Our plan is to sacrifice little Ryan on our snake altar. <laughs> we, we used Eric's birthday party as a ruse. 
the actual plan was to sacrifice our great our plan was actually to realize this kid's worst fear that he sacrificed on a snake altar while real live poisonous snakes crawl all around him but i, I never used it against him like but i all i never forgot it I never forgot it. Like I would be sitting next to him in algebra class years later and I would be thinking, this kid's really afraid of snakes. But those are the sort of experiences. The whole reason for that tangent is just like you get invited to a kid's house or his birthday party. Like, cause even if you go to a, a like a, a, a remote location, like even if you go to a Chuck E. Cheese's instead of a kid's house, that's still a weird voyeuristic experience because usually they have cousins there and there's this weird kind of divide where you're sitting at a table for like a, a six-year-old's birthday and his cousins are there and they're obviously close to him but like they don't really mingle with the kids from school so it's like this faction of like cousins and then you see their aunt like they have friends there who you don't know But especially going to a kid's house was always really strange. Like I'm seeing this person's house for the first time. This is these these people live here. Like this is to this kid, this is like what you feel when you go home. And most houses, like you don't really think anything. But you know, you go to a kid's birthday party. They're all the same. Like if you went to a kid's house, like you usually start out like everyone's got their energy going and they're excited. So they're like running around the house, running outside. You're playing what we call guns. You're shooting toy guns. You're playing Nerf. You play a Nerf. <laughs> uh, and, and then eventually like the, the parents corral the kids. You eat, you open presents. Maybe there's a game or an activity then you spend the end of it doing what you did in the beginning, which is running around, pretending to be characters, playing with toys, shooting guns. So it's like you go and like every, everything's kind of the same. Like most birthday parties are going to be the same. So for me, it's like I'm not thinking about what the birthday is going to consist of. I'm thinking about the house. I'm thinking about the fact that a family fucking lives here. Even as a little kid, like it's not like I was consciously thinking this, but that's what I was doing. I was like, what's in that room? And not in, a, not in a, a sneaky way. You know, I wasn't sneaky. Like, I didn't actually even go look in that room. Like, I'm a very conscientious uh, guest. Like, I don't look in places where I'm not supposed to look. I don't, I don't snoop. I don't snoop. I have snooped, but I, I am not a snooper. And uh, as a kid especially, like, I'm not going to snoop around this house. At a birthday party. But you're kind of absorbing this family's culture. You're like, this is a house and people, this is a home. People live in it. Like this kid I know, like this is normal to him. Like the way this house is laid out, like what's in it, what they have, what they do. And so as a kid, like I always felt like this out of body experience where I was just like observing. I was getting this window into someone's life. And you didn't feel that way with your friends. But anyway, going back to the original story, Evan and Chris, one summer day, they invited me. My sister took me to this kid's house so that his parents could take us to the mall so that we could go rob a bank. And his house was like from 1950. 
Like not just the architecture, but like everything in it. Like I remember immediately the way it smelled and looked was exactly like my grandparents' house. My grandparents lived across the street and it was like entering a portal, like where they still had like this old wooden radio. Like they didn't have an old timey hook phone. Like they didn't have one of those old timey phones that's on a hook, but they did have one that was uh, like a, a punch dial or whatever you call it. Like where like, you know, you punch each number, like the turn, like it's like a, a wheel. They had one of those phones right when you walk through the door. And they had like an old wooden radio. It still worked. Like a radio is still going to work. But uh, it just, it, it seemed like everything was antique because they never upgraded. And the way my grandparents' house smelled was like that too. And going to this kid Evan's house, I was like, whoa, this is like a, a portal. Like no wonder we couldn't find the house on the way here. Like this thing is, you had to cross a, a, a portal to get here. And his parents seemed really old, too. And his dad drove a, uh, an old pickup truck that was, like, from 1960. Like, one of those old Fords or something where it's, it's kind of small and very round. And he uh, and his dad just seemed like a... I don't know. Like, I don't even think his parents were that old. They didn't seem like parents who were, like, 80 years old. They just seemed like they were from a, a whole other time and they weren't religious or anything because sometimes religious families will seem that way. But uh, they, did, they wasn't even that. It was just they lived in a, a different world. And I don't know how we got to the mall. Like one of his parents must have taken us to the mall because we got there. Maybe they had a portal that got us there. But we just shopped, which is not something that my friends and I would normally do. Like if I went to the mall with like a couple of my good friends we, we might buy some things, like we might go in Sam Goody. We might go visit old Sam Goody and uh, get a CD or something. But, uh, you know, we're not going to like browse the Bon Marche or Nordstrom's and just be like, oh, I like this shirt. I like this shirt. What do you think? Should I buy this shirt? You know, like we're not going to do that. And we did, we did that. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like gay or anything, but like we, we like looked around at clothes and I was like, I'm, I, I bought a Tommy Hilfiger shirt. That was during the brief window of time where I was, uh, I had a couple Tommy Hilfiger shirts. I've always liked like, like embracing normalcy. You know, I've always kind of, you know, had little moments of my life where I kind of rebel against like being weird or, or, or just, I just like having that in my back pocket. Like I like knowing, like, I mean, I like that right now at my current job where it's like, I like knowing that even if someone like can tell like, Something's weird about this guy. This guy's like not just a totally normal dude. I like at the very least that like I can just snap into that. Which is, you know, a really elaborate explanation for why I bought a Tommy Hilfiger shirt. It was yellow. It was this very like nice, a little bit of a warm, what they call a warm shade of yellow. And uh, it was definitely the summer because I was like, oh, I'm going to wear this the first day of school. You know, what, you know what's going to make my life so much better? If I have like a, a really nice, warm, yellow Tommy Hilfiger shirt. Tommy Hilfiger shirt. It's going to make my life better. That's kind of what your brain does, though. That's kind of what you're doing when you do that. Picking out your outfit for the first day of school. It's kind of like, oh, what's going to make my year better? What's going to make my life better? It's It's ceremonial.
Like, yeah, you're not getting dressed up in robes and beads. But you put all this attention on, like, what you're going to wear the first day of school. Your mom starts out, you know, your mom starts out doing that for you. Like, oh, I picked out your outfit for the first day. I'm going to take your picture. So it's not just something we do ourselves. It's like something, like, our parents do. Like, he's got to wear the right outfit on his first day of school. Oh, God. My parents are getting divorced. Because they, they each had different ideas about what I should wear for the first day of school. And they fought about it. But it is, it is this weird ritual where it's like I'm entering, I'm entering the new year. I'm entering the new grade. I better, I better wear the right thing. I better wear something that's going to like make me look good. My new favorite shirt. Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger. But yeah, I bought a Tommy, like, I think, I think my mom had given me like a little spending money or something. So I bought a Tommy shirt. Should have bought a Tommy Bahama shirt, but I bought a Tommy Hilfiger shirt. And then that was it. Like, I think like, I don't, I don't even know how I got home. It was, it was fun. Like, I remember like, we were all very aware of the fact that this is a unique combination of people. The three of us decided to go to the mall together. I never hung out with them individually or together before or after that. It was the only time in the history of our species that me, Evan, and Chris hung out together. One summer day, we just they, they decided together to call me and invite me to the mall. And we just went and that was it. And what's funny is like... I, we were never in the same group of friends. Like the extent of our relationship after that was we'd occasionally see each other in the hallways and we go, what's up? Like there was always a respect. And like, I think in, in all of our minds, <laughs> I think in all, <laughs> I think in all of our minds, like we remembered that day and it wasn't like a, like a, we had fun. Like I remember going around the mall with these kids and just laughing. It was like an experiment. Sounds really gay. But it wasn't. It was just like, it was like this social experiment where it's like, hey, we, we started seventh grade and we met that Eric dude. Like, let's just go to the mall together this summer. And it was like, but like when we saw each other after that, it was almost like we all remembered that day and had a certain respect, but we didn't talk. Like, I, they weren't even kids that I would go up to in the hallway and have a conversation with. They were, the extent of our interaction was just, oh, hey. But there was always kind of a knowing, like a knowingness to it. It was almost like, yeah, we went to the mall that day. Yep. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and uh, that's a bunch of kids. Like It's the birthday party kids, too. Because if you, if you talk about like elementary school, like you're going to have a million examples like that where, because back then it's like moms would just arrange you to go over to some kid's house. Like someone's mom would call your mom and be like, oh, hey, like we were thinking maybe Eric could come over after school tomorrow. <laughs> Again, this consensus, though, it's like the parent and the kid had to decide, like, we should bring one of the kids over that you go to school with. Let's call Eric. Or we'd do that. And so there's a, there were a lot of kids in like kindergarten, first grade, you know, that around that age range where like you're new to school, where like you're just your parents are like seeing like, is, is this combination going to work? Oh, we're going to have Eric go over to Michael's house today. Let's see if this works. Let's see if, if the kids get along and want to do it again. 
And uh, so, so anyway, uh, like there were a lot of kids like that where you went, went over to their house once, they came over to your house once, they went to your birthday party once, and you'd see them for the rest of your life, for the rest of your school, and you'd be like, oh, hey, but that's it. Like you don't you never hang out again, never even talk to each other. It was just kind of like, oh, hey. But and the even weirder version of that, which I think I've talked about on here before, is kids calling you. Because each school that I went to, going back to elementary school, gave everybody a student phone book. And it was just this like bad photocopied thing. It was like they took like a piece of cardstock and like put the school name on the front. And then inside it just had everybody's phone numbers in the whole school. Most kids. Like if a kid didn't have his phone number listed, it meant his family was fucked up. And you, I remember like, because I've, I've always been into like, for lack of a better word, sociology. Sounds ridiculous. I've always been interested in sociology. I've always, since I'm a little kid, I've always been interested in sociology. Uh, it, it's true, though. Like, it's like, it's obviously, like, that's just a word, a placeholder word. But it's like, it's what you do when you, like, are looking at patterns, when you're observing things about, you know, people, about society. And I remember going, because I would just, I wouldn't call people from that. Unless there was a really good reason. I didn't use the student phone book to call people. Um, but I remember going through that, and it, it, it listed every kid, their phone number, and their parents' names. And you would go through it, and you would notice, oh, that kid's mom has a different last name than them. You picked up on, like, and, and sure enough, like, you would see that some kids were poor. Like, you could tell some kids were poor based on how they were listed in the, in the student phone book. Like, if it just listed a mom's name with, like, a different last name, you were like, it didn't mean they were poor by any means, but it just meant, like, there's a story there. But you could kind of pick up, like, on socioeconomic status and stuff, and I don't, there's nothing, uh, I don't mean any of this in, like, a derogatory way at all. It was just something you could observe. And as a kid, I kind of understood it. I don't know how, but I just intuitively understood things like, oh, there's a story to this person's home life. And like mine is the same thing. Like I, I had a single parent listed in there. Like if you went through the student phone book, it would say Eric Stonefelt, like mom, Pam Stonefelt. My mom decided to keep my dad's name after they divorced. But I could have, well, you know, she could have gone by Monroe too. And like kids could have gone through and been like, oh, Eric's mom is listed as Pam Monroe. He has a single mom, you know? Someone could say that about me, too. And we weren't poor. But uh, you could infer things about that. The fact that I had just a single parent listed. But anyway, like, because everybody had this fucking book, sometimes you'd just get a random call, and, like, your mom would be like, Hey, Eric, uh, Garrett's on the phone. And you'd be like, Huh? Why is Garrett calling me? A kid named Garrett did call me once. And it's something like, it didn't happen all the time, but like once we reached like fourth or fifth grade, like once kids were old enough to be able to like look a phone number up, which you think about these like little humans, like I'm going to look his number up and call him. Like once kids got old enough to like start looking a number up and like calling people themselves, they started doing it. And... Yeah, sometimes it'd be to invite you over or to invite you to do something. But sometimes it would just be like, they'd be like, hey, this, this little kid calling another kid and just being like, oh, hey, what are you up to? 
But not even that. Who knows what we talked about? And it'd be a brief conversation. It's not like you and this other little kid are talking for hours. It would just be like, oh, hey, you know, they just call you and talk to you for a second. And that, that continued like in junior high and stuff, like those guys calling me to hang out one time. This combination of people hanging out one time, which I should add, can never happen again because one of those guys died. He was the first person to die after high school. He got like uh, just a, a totally unexpected brain tumor. So like the three of us, we'd never be able to hang out ever again. That one time is the only time in human history that us three hung out together in any combination. But, uh, you know, in junior high, like you'd get the calls too. Where there was this kid, he had gone, I think he had gone to 7th and 8th grade with me, and then he moved for ninth grade. And after he moved, he called me one time. And he had never called me once before that. He never called me again after. We never hung out once out of school. So this wasn't a friend of mine. This is a kid that I would occasionally maybe sit at the same lunch table as, occasionally like talk to him in the hallway for a second. Not a friend of mine, though. But he moved, and then he called me after he moved, like a while later. Like, we're talking like, he was well-established in his new school. What we call getting well-established in the new school. But like, he, he called me and he was just like, what's up? And we were like 15 by then, you know, 14 or 15. So it, was, it wasn't little kids. But he was just like, kind of looking for updates. Like, I just kind of updated him on what some random people were doing. Like, not even, I wasn't even updating him on friends of mine or anything. Because he and I, we weren't even part of the same group of friends. I just kind of updated him on some random people that he knew at school. Like just uh, shared the gossip. And it was a short conversation and that was it. But it's just, it's really weird that he was living in a different town, going to a new school. And he looked through probably his old school phone book and was like, I'll call Eric and just, you know, see what the, see what's in the air down there. I'll just call Eric and see what's going on. It makes me think of AOL Instant Messenger. I was talking to my friend Kyle about that, where when we were teenagers, we were both on AOL Instant Messenger, and you'd have like 10 boxes open. You'd have like 10 chats going with different people. Some of them were like your classmates. Some of them were your friends. Like with me, there were like generally a couple people that I'd never even met, like random people who shared my interests. So it's like on any given night, though, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we'd just be chatting with people and Kyle and I were talking about this because we both did it and I asked him I was like what the fuck did we talk to people about like what were we talking to all these people about I'd be talking to girls that I went to school with like girls that I wasn't even close to but like you just somehow become AOL friends or something and they'd occasionally go because most of those conversations I do remember that most of them went like hey and then you responded with hey and they'd say how's it going and you go good you and then but these conversations, so they would sometimes go on all night. Like you wouldn't be continuously typing to them, but like someone would message you and they wouldn't say goodbye. Like you just hear from them sporadically all night over the span of like four hours. And I was asking Kyle, I was just like, what the fuck did we all talk about? What did all these teenagers talk about? Like maybe, you know, maybe music with some people, maybe just joking around, random stuff. But like today I can't even comprehend doing that. Like even though I... I, I'm doing the equivalent through like text messages and whatever else these days. It's, I, I don't even know how to do it anymore. 
it's really difficult for me just to sit there and like maintain a conversation. I have to be really in it and inspired. But to be able to do that every night like I did as a teenager, I'm like, what did we even talk about? And Kyle was like, I don't even know. I'm asking the same question. What were we all talking about? There's like birds chirping. But anyway, getting calls from random kids like that, it's kind of the same, it's in the same genre what I'm talking about, like weird combinations of kids hanging out or kids that you hung out with once and never hung out with them again. Same thing for these phone calls and, you know, for that matter, like instant messenger chats and things like that. It's like, this was a one-off. But uh, going back to the combos of people, like it's true even for friends, like the, the infamous mall trip to you know, Bellevue Square Mall with Evan and Chris, that was weird to me because like we were just kind of coming into our own like 13-year-olds or no longer little, little kids. And they were just kind of like, let's see, let's see what it's like to hang out with that guy. Let's see what he's doing. He's a fun guy to talk to in class. Let's see what he's doing today. Yeah, let's do that. But it's weird too when it's not just random people like that, but even with, if it's people who are in your group of friends, but this particular combo never hangs out on their own. I can remember every time that happened because it's so strange. Like when you have a group of friends, like when it's four people, it's no longer weird. Like any combination of four people from a group of friends from the same social circle, it's not really that weird. But when it's three, there's something about threes Well, I can think about times when like people that were all in my immediate social circle, but just the three of us would never think to like arrange a plan with just us. And when I saw the movie Signs in the theater, I saw it with these two friends of mine. One of them was a kid that I was good friends with on and off pretty much my whole life. So hanging out with him was normal like he would stay the night at my house like I would stay at his house he was always kind of part of my group of friends the other kid was a guy who was better friends with my friends better friends with my friends and he and I never got along like one of those people where I was like he is my friend we're all part of the same group of friends but we both but I don't like him and he doesn't like me and we both know that we don't like each other we can talk sometimes, but like if, if we're talking face-to-face, one-on-one, there's a decent chance we'll piss each other off. But we were still friends, somehow. And this one particular time, though, these two guys and I went and saw the movie Signs. And it's funny to think about like what you're doing when you hang out with this weird combo. And if I were to like call one of my childhood friends who, who's as insane as I am, like if I were to call my friend Nick who is who's in, as insane as I am about these things. Uh, and I said, hey, there was a time where me, Evan, different Evan, where me, Evan, and Sky went and saw the movie Signs in the theater. He would say, that's, like, that's a weird fucking combo. Not just what you're doing, going to see the fucking movie Signs, but he would know immediately why that's such a weird combo of people to like make a plan together and hang out. How and why the fuck did us three decide to make that plan? That was memorable, though, because, you you know, you see how people react in the theater where the movie Signs has some jump scares. 
There's a few jump scares in that movie. It's a, the Mel Gibson movie about aliens. And you don't see the aliens yet. And there's a part where it's showing found footage on the news of, of a little kid's birthday party. And then, like, the camera's really shaky and it's, like, you know, going all over the place. And then all of a sudden you see the alien walk by. And it's a jump scare because you're not you're not knowing what you're going to see. And all of a sudden, this alien walks by and just looks at the camera. And the kid Evan I was with, he shrieked. And it was sincere. Like he was on the edge of his seat and like it, it just showed the alien at the birthday party and he let out a shriek. <laughs> and it was like it was funny to us because we we're like, oh, holy shit. He, he's scared. He, he, he's, he's startled. <laughs> I, I love one of my sick pleasures. Like once a year I'll, I'll go to YouTube and I look up videos of people getting scared by somebody like pranks. And I love it. Like there's something to me that like, I don't like seeing people get hurt. I'm not one of these people who finds the humor in someone breaking their arm or their leg. I do find the humor in like seeing someone get scared, startled. Like, not seeing somebody who's in an active, like, sustained state of fear, but seeing the moment where they get scared, where they jump. I love that. And so, like, you're in a movie with this kid you've never seen a movie with. Like, I'd never been in a theater with this kid. And the shaky found footage pans to the alien, and he just, he, like, jumped in his seat and shrieked. And it was totally sincere, totally honest. He wasn't goofing around. And he did that a few times throughout the movie. Like there was another part, there's another part. Like I, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember the basic plot. Like I, I, I know what science is about. Okay. I know what science is about, but like, I remember what it's basically about, but there's some parts like, I'm like, like how the fuck did the alien get in the house? Cause there's a part where the alien is in the house. Like, how did that happen? Like when, when and why does the alien go in a house, but the aliens in the house and they can't find him. And there's this big cupboard in the kitchen, like a walk-in cupboard. And the door to the cupboard has like a gap at the bottom. And uh, there's a part where like the camera ba- like pans down to the gap. And all of a sudden the alien's hand just shoots through the gap. <laughs> and this kid, Evan, you know, <laughs> I don't even think it was a shriek this time. Like he was just like, oh. You know, it was like he just let out this, like, gasp, this loud, audible gasp. And at that point, the other guy we were with, like, hit him. The kid Sky hit him, and he was like, dude, what the fuck? Because it was actually getting embarrassing. This had happened several times. And it was actually embarrassing to, like, be with a group of teenage boys, and one of them is just getting scared out of his mind. Like, he's... He's like, he's, it's it's all 100% sincere, and he's, he's shrieking and gasping. <laughs> And, uh, but like what I remember about that is just that like the three of us went and saw that movie together. That's, that's an odd combo of people. It would happen sometimes when we were a little older smoking pot and things like that. Just a random group of stoners would meet up and get high together. There was a time, this is just the most interesting episode in the world, but there was a time where me and two friends had pulled up to these woods that everybody smoked weed at. And as we were getting there, this other carload of guys got there. They were just classmates. They were just guys that, like, we knew. Like, one of them, you know, 
I'd been to his birthday party. He'd been to my birthday party. We went to a WWF Raw together like years earlier. But he wasn't a good... I'd played sports with him. And he was my best friend. No, we weren't good friends ever. But it was just like a kid that I kind of knew for years. And then these two other guys, just kind of jocks. Just kind of jacks. They were just kind of jacks. And uh, we were all going to the same spot to smoke weed. So we smoked weed together. And then afterwards, it was kind of awkward. Because like we're all stoned... They were just talking about, like, the history of their pipes. Like, one of the kids, like, see this pipe? Like, I call this pipe Star Spangled Glory. And um, my last pipe was called, uh, you know, the Holy Grail. And, uh, you know, and then my pipe before that, you wouldn't, it, it was these colors. You know, like, I was like, oh, this is what they do. They get high and they just talk about, like, the history of their pipe collection. Talking about the history of your pipe collection? What are you boys doing over there? Are you just talking about the history of pipe collection? And uh, <laughs> so it's like, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, these guys, this is what these guys talk about when they're stoned. The next time we went there, we pull up, they pull up at the same time again. And like, we looked at him in the car and like said, hello. And I remember my buddy, Steve, just like put, he just like turns the car back on and puts it in reverse and starts leaving. And he was like, you know, we did that once. And he's like, it was fun. It was cool that we all smoke weed together. But he's like, we don't need to do it again. He's like, we don't, <laughs> we don't need to do that again. Like we don't need to, we need to, this, this weird combo of people doesn't need to smoke weed together again. He like, he understood, you know, and it made total sense to me. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like, that was a nice bonding experience to hang out with this group of people that aren't our friends. But it was like, no, we don't need to do that again. In adulthood, I guess it happens. And I mean, I guess this plays into something, too, where it's when you hang out with somebody, it's this experiment where it's like, are we going to do this again? And as a kid, it's a little easier because it's like kids can just be like, will you come to my birthday? You know, kids can just come up to each other and like make it somewhat easy and then you just become friends or you don't it's like i've said before i don't even remember how i became friends with my friends in adulthood it's a little easier like oh, i met that person through this person or like we have this common interest but like when you're growing up like the people who are your best friends like my best childhood friend like i still i, I i've heard kind of general stories about how we met but i have no idea how we became friends like i have no idea like what led like I think we met at a function, like a social function, and then our mom set up a what they what terrible people call a play date. They set up a hangout, and then it, we just were probably both like, "Oh, you're into Star Wars. I'm into Star Wars. I'm into Star Wars too." And then you just from there you just keep wanting to hang out. You're like, "Oh, that kid's cool." Like you tell your mom, "Like, oh, that, that was really fun." That kid's house is awesome. I like that kid. But at some point, very quickly, it just becomes normal. At some point, you no longer think, like, if that kid calls you or you have a plan to hang out, like, it's no longer weird. There might not even need to be a plan. Like, there's, you don't think about it for one second. It's just like, I go over to Nick's house. Nick calls me. You know, it's not something you ever think about again. Whereas with other kids, it is, like, Getting a phone call from some kid you never talk to or never hang out with, it's like, oh, that's it's novel and it's weird. 
but the, it's interesting to think about the point at which like a friendship forms and you no longer think it's strange. I think it's even weirder in adulthood though. That's what I'm getting at. Whereas a kid, like kids can do that pretty easily. It's pretty low stakes. And, and your parents do a lot, your parents encourage it or sports or just this, or like finding another kid who shares your interests. You know, it's, it's pretty easy to form a friendship based on that. But as an adult, it's always strange. Like I think about some people I hung out with years ago where I'm like, there was this dude that I used to drink with all the time and, you know, would hang out at his house and hang out with him and his girlfriend. And, you know, I think back on it and I'm like, I, I remember how I met this guy, but I'm like, at what point did we get comfortable enough to where like he could say, hey, you want to go hang out? And it wouldn't be like, whoa, I'm hearing from this person. This is weird. Like at what point did like we become comfortable enough with each other to where we could just be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm about to go grab a drink, meet up with me, and it's not like a, there's nothing to it. Whereas I can think about like many times where like that where some I met somebody and they were like, hey, because you know if it's a woman, it's different. Like if it's a woman, it's not as weird because I think when you become friends with a woman, there's gonna be kind of like even if you're not even attracted to each other. There's going to be kind of like a man and woman dynamic where it's like you have to like think about, okay, oh, I met that girl, Cindy. I met that girl, Cindy, at the party, and she asked me if I want to hang out. You're, you're immediately going to think, oh, th this is a date. There's something romantic. Even if that's not the case, you have to consider it. You have to consider if they are thinking that. You have to consider if you're thinking that. And so with a woman, like, you still reach a point, like, if you become platonic friends with a woman, you still reach a point where, like, you're comfortable enough with each other just to be like, oh, hey, come hang out. Come hang out. You know, you reach a point where that that's established and you don't have to think, like, is this a date? You know, is there a romantic thing here? You just kind of, you reach that point. But, like, because of, you know, what we are... If it's a man and a woman, that's always going to be the first part of it, is kind of establishing whether this is a potential romantic thing or whether this is just a, a, a friendship across uh, the lines, you know, across the, the trench. But with a dude, it's, it's a little weird because it's like, if someone invites you out, you're like, oh, this is, this is, this guy wants to be friends with me or I want to be friends with this person. But then like like at what time at what point do you get comfortable enough with that to where it's not like an it's not a novel thing? But uh anyway, uh I think about that. Like in the moment you don't because you you just like I said, there's there's a, a point where you don't even realize it where all of a sudden you're just like, this is normal now. This isn't Evan and Chris calling you on one particular Saturday to go to the mall and it never happens again. This is somebody who now, now it's, it's no longer weird or novel for them to message me or contact me. You just develop this, this kind of level of comfort. Um, but it, it, the, the combos, I mean, I guess when you drink, it's not as weird. Like drinking makes everything easier. Like when I drank, it wasn't that uncommon for like me and two people to just spend the night drinking. And it's like, oh yeah, we never would have hung out before or after this. We never would have chosen 
this particular combo of people to hang out. But when you're drinking, you have a focus, you know, you're, you're drunk. So when I drank, that was always easy. And that's just, I mean, like that might as well be being a kindergartner again. Like when you're a kindergartner and you're just like, oh, you should come to my birthday. I'll go to your birthday. You come to my birthday, I'll go to your birthday. You know, it's easy. And it's just like, oh, like I'm going to go over to his house one day. And like his mom's going to make us uh, some shitty food that makes me never want to come back here. You know, you you might like have that experience and be like, okay, like I hung out with that kid once. It's circumstantial. I guess it's kind of the same thing when you're drinking. It's like you it might as well be kindergarten again where it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go drink at that house once. And then that's it. Oh, me and those two people are going to drink at the bar together one night, and that's going to be it. Might as well be going to a kid's birthday party or something. But when you start doing it by design, when you're like, no, we're going to invite these particular people. And it's this, it's a game of chemistry, too, because people do that when they make plans. They're like, I'm going to invite these two people out because I think that there will be like some sort of chemistry to that. chemistry but uh, I don't know like like just deciding to become friends isn't all there is to it like you don't just pick people and go I want to be friends with that person I'm going to make them my friend my life hasn't been that way at all like some people stand out I've talked about this before what Miles used uh, was uh, the cartoon Boulder when I met Miles, we'd always talk about this, how in growing up watching old cartoons, you know, if there's an object that's like supposed to be part of the background, it's supposed to be part of the scenery, but it's going to do something, it's going to fall, it's going to open, it's outlined differently because they had to animate it, animate it, they had to animate it, they had to animate it, um, they had to animate it. And so like if a cartoon boulder is going to fall from the cliff, it's going to be a cell on top of the background and it's going to have kind of an outline to it. And it's going to be a different color than the, the other rocks in the background. And so it's like one of the first things you notice as a kid, like when you start seeing the way things work as a kid, miles had this experience. So did I, one of the first things you notice, it's almost like one of your first occult observations. If you grew up in our era is that like you, you see the cartoon boulder and you know, it's going to fall. Other kids might just be watching and they're like, oh, wow, that boulder fell. I didn't expect that. Didn't expect that boulder to fall. But if once you start seeing how it works, what, what, what is supposed to be hidden, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's the boulder that's going to fall. For me, it was the locker door on a cartoon. I was watching a cartoon about kids and he was walking through a locker bay and I saw that one of the locker doors was outlined differently in kind of a different shade. And I was like, oh, he's going to open his locker. And sure enough, he did. That was my, that was how I started to figure that out. It's not rocket science. But as a little kid, just being able to observe that, being able to see through, like, you know, just being able to see what's supposed to be hidden. That's how people are, though. Like, like many of the people that I've become good friends with in my life, it's almost like they were outlined differently. Like, I don't actually have some synesthetic vision of this. I don't actually see an aura or an outline, but it reminds me of that. It's almost like there's something about them 
where I'm like, that person's different. It's true for women. It's true for anybody. It's true for women. It's true for anybody. And so like when I become friends with that person, it's not really like there's any point where I'm like, oh, I'm friends with this person now. You never officially become friends with anybody. And it is a weird thing. Like I use the word friend very broadly these days. Like if I'm talking to a coworker or something, I'm like, oh yeah, I have a friend. And then sometimes I'll catch myself and I'll be like, is, is that person officially one of my friends? And I'm like, yeah, they are. I might not see them much. I might not talk to them much anymore, but I'm like, that's a friend of mine. I think they'd consider me a friend too. I'm pretty loose with, with, with what friendship entails. Like I think if you get along with somebody and have, have hung out with somebody or anything, I think like you're basically friends now. Unless something goes wrong, you're friends. There's different de- degrees of friendship, but it's like you're friends. Simple. But it's funny to me that like some people though, it's like they just, they, they kind of come into your life and they just kind of stand out. It's almost like there's an invisible aura that tells you like, okay, this, this person's going to play a role in the story. I mean, people talk about NPCs in a very, uh, they use NPC in a very pejorative sense and for a good reason. A lot of the time, like the way people online these days use NPC non-player character it's like in an RPG, the NPCs are the villagers and they just repeat themselves over and over again. In the old RPGs, like they don't have a unique character model, what they call a unique character model. So like villagers, they're just going to all look the same. They're going to be wearing the same outfit, have the same color hair. It's just the same character model repeated. And the idea is like the, they play no role in the story. They're just there for you to talk to sometimes. But when you would see a character who looks unique, like my entire experience is old JRPGs, old Japanese role-playing games, where it's like when you would see a character who looks unique, you're like, oh, that's that character is either going to join your party, they're going to be a, a significant bad guy, or they're otherwise important enough. They're an important part of the story. You know, I, I understand why people use NPC pejoratively. Because some people you meet and you're like, oh, yeah, everything they say is just part of this script they heard. Everything they wear is just part of this pattern of what people are wearing now. While I think that people have a lot more individuality and uniqueness than sometimes they let on, there are also a lot of people you deal with where you're like, this might as well be a, a robot. This person might as well just be a random villager. But, uh, you know, in in a general sense, though, like when you get away from like using NPC pejoratively, it does kind of describe how certain people seem when you meet them, where you're like, oh, yeah, this person, uh, you know, like, I don't think they're going to play a role in this story. They're just going to pass by me. Whereas there's other people who just stand out. You're like, okay, this person's going to be my friend. I'm going to, you know, date this person. I'm going to. Somehow this person's going to be important. You just know that. You might not even like them. They might be kind of a nemesis, an unspoken nemesis to you. But you still see them as distinct. They're the cartoon boulder. 
some some sort of action is going to happen involving this person. Um, I mean, working in retail right now, managing a retail store, shoplifters. They're like, when they come in the store, like, I know who they are immediately. Some of them are really obvious. They're like raggedy wiggers. You know, I've been talking for a long time about how, like, homeless people have taken on this sort of wigger culture. They, they talk in shitty bonics and stuff. Well, it's true even for non-homeless people. It's just like fucked up people in general. Like if I see, and they're raggedy, like wiggers, like, like talking about my Tommy Hilfiger shirt earlier, my yellow Tommy Hilfiger shirt, a wigger would wear like a nice, crisp, bright color. I mean, people don't talk about this, but it was expensive to be a wigger. You had to have like chains around your neck, like, and you couldn't be wearing knockoffs because kids would talk about that. Like the wiggers used to give kids shit if they wore like a fake, you know, a, a fake silver necklace. Like you had to be wearing authentic silver around your neck. Wiggers cared about that. Like if, if they have an ear pierced, it had to be a real jewel. Had to be a real jewel. It did though. Like wiggers held each other to a pretty high standard of dress. Like, even though they looked like clowns wearing, like, bright colors, ridiculously baggy, sagging pants, baggy, saggy pants, even though their hats were tilted to the side, it was expensive. And it took a few years for them to make, like, cheap, wigger knockoffs. By, like, 2002, 2003, these companies started to come out of the woodwork that made wigger clothes for cheap. But they weren't cool. Nobody liked them. It was just like if a kid, uh, you know, comes from a rough background, doesn't have money or whatever, he can be a wigger too, but he's seen as kind of a knockoff. It's like how they made the scream mask. You had the one that was just like the mask from the movie, but then they started to make cheap knockoffs with like different facial contortions and things. Like one of them was smiling, like... They started to make like cheaper versions of the scream mask. That's how wigger fashion was. Like, but it, in the prime years of wiggerdom, wiggerdom in the prime years of wiggerdom, it was expensive to be a wigger. Well, now like these wiggers are just fucked up forty-year-olds, and they're raggedy. They still dress like wiggers. They still act like wiggers, but they're on meth and their clothes are raggedy. They are raggedy wiggers now. So if I see a raggedy wigger entering the store, I immediately start watching him. It's it's the one group of people where like I just if they there's certain looks and you just immediately start keeping an eye on them. There's some people though where it's not even that obvious. Like there's nothing about the way they're dressed. It's just purely body language. It's just an aura. It's again the cartoon boulder. Like someone will come in the store and just something about them, I go, hmm. I'll go to one of the kids who works for us and I'll be like, can you keep an eye on that guy? But you know what? I'm finding that these kids are recognizing the same aura and patterns. But, uh, you know, like I've been talking to one of the kids, he's like 24, and he's starting to notice all of the same patterns I do. Like, I'll go start to follow a guy or start to tell somebody to watch a guy and he's already on it. And he and I have talked, too, about how some of these guys, some of these thieves, many of them, 
they always go and talk to an employee. Like if they're with another thief, they'll do that to misdirect. But even if they're alone, they'll go up and they don't ask questions about like where something is. Like when I talk to an employee in a retail store, it's to find out where something is. I'm like, where are your TVs? Where's the bathroom? Normal customers ask us those things. But thieves, they come in and they're like asking you general questions about the store. Or they're they're just like making general statements. They're like, whoa, this place is really big. Oh, you got a lot of stuff. You got a lot of, oh, how long have you been open? They ask you very general questions about the company. And he started to notice that. And sure enough, the other day, this fucked up raggedy wigger came in the store. And I immediately followed him to the back. Another thing they do is like they come in on a mission. Like very rarely do they, because most people come into our store and they're like, they like look around before they even move. They like come in and like assess it and they're like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff here. I guess I'll go this way. But they're like, they're kind of in awe at first. They're kind of like, oh, whoa, look at all this stuff. What am I going to do? Thieves come in and they don't do that. They just they just come in and they immediately go to a corner of the store. They immediately, they're on a mission. And so this, this raggedy wigger, he came in, he was on a mission. I immediately started following him. And I follow him and he, he walks right up to the kid I, I was talking about who works for us. And he's immediately just like making a general observation about the store, talking to him. And then the kid, look, he makes eye contact with me and just starts laughing. And I, and then the guy walked away and I was like, look, like I was already onto that guy and he went and he went right to you. He did exactly what we're talking about. So it's like you pick up on this aura from people where like, I know him the second they enter the store and, uh, you know, but like, so it's even like bad people and stuff. It's even thieves where I just, I, I know him immediately and it's not stereotyping people. It's not typecasting anyone. It's not even any one particular thing. Like even though there is a certain type of person who looks and dresses and acts a certain way, it's other people too. Some people will come in and I'm just like, something something about that person. I think I need to watch them. And sure enough, we're almost always right. I can't actually think of a single time where we've been onto somebody or been watching somebody closely and they haven't done something. I can't think of a single time so far where anybody has been unfairly targeted by us. I'm sure cops have it. I'm sure cops radar goes off just because I always think that like anytime I see a cop, I'm like, Oh, they think I'm doing something. Oh, that cop, he's looking at me and he, he just thinks I'm up to something. That it's that same feeling you have when you go into a, into a store and you leave without buying anything, you're like, they're going to think I'm a thief. Oh, they, this matters. They think I'm a thief. I didn't buy anything. It's kind of the same thing like when a cop just sees you doing something out and about. Like whether I'm driving. I mean, it's true when you're like in traffic and there's a cop behind you. Even though what I'm doing is totally legal and normal, there's a part of me that's like, oh, he's going to catch me. Oh, he's going to catch me breaking the law. It, it happens when I'm walking. Like if a cop drives by me, I'm like, oh, it's just a matter of minutes before I'm arrested. Just a matter of minutes. When the reality is like a cop probably sees people like me or anybody and they probably immediately sense whether something's going on or not. 
they probably immediately are like, that guy's not doing anything. That guy's not a cartoon boulder. But uh, it's just a part of that. But it's 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 positive and negative. Like the car, like people as cartoon boulders, they they stand out whether it's good or bad. It just means they're going to do something or they're going to somehow somehow they're going to move the story forward. And going back to the original topic of like hanging out with certain combos of people, that's kind of how it is when you hang out with a new combo, where you're like the three of us have never hung out together, not in this combination. It's like, it's either going to move the story forward or it's not. Like going to the mall with Evan and Chris one summer day, how many years ago? 24 years ago? You know, it didn't move the story forward. Like we didn't make plans to ever do that again. They never called me ever again. I never called them again. We didn't even sit at the same lunch table at school. We didn't even try to be friends. But it wasn't because anything went wrong. It wasn't like they didn't go to the mall with me and go, dude, that fucking sucked. Dude, that was a bad fucking idea, dude. Because that happens sometimes. Sometimes you hang out with somebody and you're like, yeah, we don't want that person around anymore. You'll talk to the other people and they're like, yeah, I think we would have had more fun if, uh, if you know, Joe wasn't there. You know, it's, it's one of those sorts of things where you're like, yeah, you know, uh, hey, uh, next time we have a party, uh, let's not invite Frank. Let's not invite Mickey. You know, it's like you never, you don't, you don't end up doing that. You know, as a kid, like as a kid with with everybody, like sometimes it is that that situation where it's like, oh, you know, uh, yeah, let's not hang out with that guy again. But most of the time, you're just kind of like, hey, you know, uh, let's not do that again. You know, you don't, or, or rather like you, you, you decide not to do it again, but it's not like a conscious decision. You just never do it again. Whereas other times you'll hang out with people and you're like, oh yeah, you know, it was really fun when Joe and Frank and I got together. Let's do it again. But it's, it, you don't even have to make that decision. It just ends up happening. Like the story just moves ahead. But uh, anyway, I wonder if other people remember those things too. Like I remember, I wonder how much other people think about that. Where it's like that one time in history when I hung out with that person, that one time in history when this group of people hung out. And I realized too, like this is something that kind of blows my mind. Like I had a girlfriend for a while, and she was like kind of on the fringes of her friend group. Like she had some girls that she was really close to, but like they had this like kind of tribe, and she was really on the fringes of that. And like she always felt. She always kind of felt down about it, like she was down on herself because she wasn't part of the core group of friends. Girls are really sensitive that way. And I remember like thinking like, oh, they, like that group of people she knows, they're like this whole tribe of people. Like they work together, live together. There's a bunch of them. They must have known each other a really long time. Like they must be really close. And then I, I found out that like they, they really like barely knew each other for very long. Like this is a group of like 20 somethings who really didn't even know each other that well. And I was like, oh yeah, this was just kind of a random group of people who I guess, I guess it worked or something and they decided to start hanging out more. But I, I remember being shocked to find out like these people weren't even that close. They just needed a group. Like they needed a tribe to be a part of and this is who they found. And it, but it was also a very difficult friend group to kind of infiltrate 
Like I had no interest in being part of their group of friends. Like I just, I just knew that I wouldn't really get along with them that well if I spent too much time with them. But my girlfriend, she always felt sad because it was like they didn't invite her to do things and she just wasn't part of their core group. But the reality is like when I would hang out with them, it's like it was just gossip. It was the cool kids. It was the popular table. It was all that stuff that you're going to find in any other group. And I was just like, you're not missing much. Like I'm not trying to trash your friends, but like you're really not missing that much. But she was just sad about it. She just wasn't, she wasn't as tapped into them as she would like. Um, but like my experience with them too was like, they're kind of hard people to get in with. Like they were kind of a later incarnation of what Miles referred to as the orphans when he lived here. When Miles lived in Olympia, there was a group of people who were kind of like an earlier generation of the same group of people. And he was like, they all have this orphan mentality, like, even when they're not orphans, even when they're, even when they came from good families and stuff, they all kind of like live this orphan lifestyle. And if you don't do that, if you don't pretend to do that, you can't really get in with them and you wouldn't want to anyway, but it's just, there are people that like, people like Miles and I had to interact with a certain amount, but we just realized, oh yeah, they have that sort of orphan mentality. And my girlfriend didn't have that, like. She didn't have orphan mentality. And I honestly think that's kind of why she was more on the fringes of their group. It was like she was close to her mom, you know, that kind of thing. Like, so it's like she just didn't fit in with them perfectly. But I found that they, they were really like resistant too. Like if you weren't an orphan, if you weren't orphan minded, they didn't trust you. But anyway, uh, it, it is interesting though how it, like groups of people just form, and you might think that it's like, oh, these people have known each other forever. These people have been friends their entire life, and you find out, oh no, this was just some weird combo of people, and for whatever reason, they decided to start doing this regularly. They started to keep. They decided to, to keep hanging out. I mean, I've seen this even recently. Like, I trained in another store with our company, and it was cool. Like, I got along with everybody at that store. I, you know, got to know them a little bit. Like, I still occasionally I'll have to call that store now and talk to them. It was a good experience. I really liked everybody. But somebody else that I trained with, a younger girl, like, she went up there. She was there for even less time than I was. Like, she was only there for a couple days, two or three days. And, uh, like when she and I started at our store, I found it like she already was like, you know, Instagram friends with these kids, Snapchatting with them. She was, had plans to hang out with one of the guys. And I'm like, all that happened in three days. Like you, you made plans and like got to know these people and like, kind of like formed, uh, relationships with them just out of thin air. And now, like, you talk about these people and know them. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's it's still, like, I, I was just kind of amazed. I was like, oh, yeah, that just happens. Someone just goes and trains in a store, and a week later, they're like, oh, I'm hanging out with those people, and, you know, we're friends now. I guess I, I'm way, it's way slower for me. Like, I can't just go go work at a store and a week later be like, oh, yeah, I'm part of this tribe now. 
oh yeah, I have plans to hang out with that person. It's just not how I operate. But other people, like they do just meet each other and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to further each other's stories now. And I guess I always like assume that relationships are much more like set in stone. Like they're, they, they, they form like stones where it's like these, these develop over a long period of time and it takes a while for them to actually become full-on friendships. It takes a while for a tribe to form. When the reality is it doesn't. Like some people can just go into a situation and next thing you know, it's like, oh yeah, me and Evan and Chris are going to the mall. Whereas for me, it's like, Evan and Chris invited me to the mall. This is, this is, this is a strange and unique scenario. This is a strange and unique scenario. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm different in that way. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people like me, but still, it's different people are different, turns out. You ever hear that one? Different people are different. But anyway, I'll be here all day. I've already talked for over an hour. I already talked for over an hour. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, weird combinations of people, those, those people that you had a one-off hangout with, you just hung out the one time, you went to their birthday one year, they went to your birthday, you got invited over to so-and-so's house and his neighbor was Johnny, you, know, you went over to Joe's house and his neighbor Johnny came over and that was the only time you ever hung out with Johnny. interesting stuff to me I don't know why I guess just the dynamics between people the chemistry between people the way that we deliberately and not so deliberately spend time with people and either form friendships form relationships or don't form friendships and relationships it seems kind of arbitrary and it seems like something that we decide but it's really not it just kind of happens This land is mine, God gave this land to me, this brave, this golden land to me, and when the morning sun reveals her hills and plains, I see a land where children